After uh, looking at those words that Jesus uh, spoke from the cross, and so today we look at at the word, uh, I thirst, and uh, kind of one of the small but interesting things about that is we say, you know, a, a word Jesus spoke from the cross, and uh, in this case, it actually is just a word, right? That if you go to the Greek, it just is one word. We translate it, I thirst, or I am thirsty, but uh, you go back to language, it's just uh, one word. Just kind of little interesting uh, tidbits. But when we get into it, it's uh, this morning really not so much about the actual word itself that he speaks, the, the I thirst, right? I mean, it, of course, it reminds us of what he's gone through for us. It, it uh, makes clear to us his humanity. It uh, reminds us of his willingness to become you know, like us and enter into our full experience to know the pain and the suffering and the sorrow that we experience in our life. I mean, this one word captures that identity that Jesus is indeed fully human and he understands our lives absolutely, completely, even in our deepest of sorrow and need. And that's captured kind of in that one word, uh, I thirst. But what's really fascinating for us today is looking at the circumstances and uh, everything that surrounds why Jesus would make sure and even say this one word. It comes to us from John uh, 19. Here's the text that says, Later, Jesus knew that everything had now been finished. He also knew that what the Scriptures said must come true, so he said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine and vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on the stem of a hyssop plant, uh, then they lifted it up, uh, to Jesus's lips. So that's the context. He's on the cross. Now remember, we've been looking at these words and we kind of separated the, the day, the six hours of Jesus's experience on the cross into the two parts of light and darkness, right? The first three hours, remember, uh, were in uh, the daylight, but then the three to six time period, the last three hours was in that period of darkness. Jesus speaks this word, this fifth word from the cross. He speaks this word in the period of of darkness. So out of the darkness, after he's been through everything that he's been through, he speaks this word, I thirst. What's key for us, and the first observation I hope we get this morning, is to understand that it really does come later, right? That this word he speaks comes later. And why is that significant? Well, if you look at the words that he has already spoken, and I got them listed here for you. Here's the first four, and then this fifth word that we experience today. The first four words in order from the cross are, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Then, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise, talking to the thief. Third word, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother, talking to Mary and John from the cross. And then the fourth one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which we looked at. And then comes, I thirst. Do you notice anything about the first four words he spoke from the cross. If you would look at those first four words and say, are those words focused more on his need or on the needs of others, what would you say? Yes, I heard it out there, right? Uh, others, right? Do you see that? The first four words he speaks, he's focused on the situation and the circumstances of others. Father, forgive them, right? He's, he's thinking about us. We went through that, right? 
He's looking uh, at the thief and talking to the thief and his situation. And he's looking at his mother and he's saying, here, Mary, here's your son. Talking about her situation, right? And even the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Remember, we walked through that to understand that that was that place, that moment, that experience where he was absolutely engaged in us, right? Taking on all of our brokenness. So up until this point, every word he's spoken has always been focused on someone else. And this is the first word after the whole experience late into the sixth hour. This is the first word he speaks that has any real relevance to his own personal need. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that especially interesting when it's so tempting for us and most of us walk through our days thinking that, what, the greatest and most important thing in this day is to make sure the world turns around us. (laughs) That somehow the most important thing is us. And here we have Jesus going through this experience, and it's not until the fifth word before he says anything that's relative to his own personal situation. It is so easy for us to fall into the temptation to think that somehow life is all about us. And what this word reminds us, and the situation of this word, it reminds us that simply isn't true if you follow Christ. If you follow Christ, life is no longer about us. It is about something bigger and something greater. And Jesus shows it to us in this word. Watch what he does. Notice it says, before he says this word, Scripture says, he also knew, so he knows something, he also knew that what Scripture said must come true, so he said, I am thirsty. Look at that verse really hard. You looking? Why did he say, I am thirsty? Because he was absolutely thirsty? Because he was just dying for something to drink? No pun intended. No. Why did he say, I am thirsty? According to the text, he says, I'm thirsty because he knew what Scripture said and he knew that the prophecies had to come true and he knew what? He knew that his life and his dying was part of something bigger and greater than any experience of his own personal need. Did you see that? That is awesome! He knew in his dying moments, in his last words, in his fifth word, out of the darkness, that his life, even in the middle of the darkness, was about something bigger and something greater than his own personal need. And so he says, I'm thirsty. To fulfill the prophecy. Here's where it comes from. Psalm 69. Psalm 69, talking about the Messiah, the one that would come, says, They put bitter spices uh, in my food. They gave me vinegar when I was thirsty. It's talking about the suffering Messiah that was to come. And so to fulfill prophecy, because he understands what's most important about his life, is to make sure he participates in the will and the desire of God Because his life is about something greater and something bigger than just his own personal 
needs. Now, what's interesting is that when he first was brought to Golgotha, when he was first brought and nailed to the cross, they offered him something to drink. They offered him here in Matthew 27, they offered him a mixture of wine and bitter spices to help numb the pain. And it says what? After tasting it, he refused to drink it. He didn't want anything to get in the way, anything to numb the pain, nothing to take away from the full experience what he needed to go through for each one of us. And then six hours later, he still understands his life is about something bigger and greater than his own personal need. And to fulfill the scripture, he says, I thirst. Now, here's something really cool. I put it in your handout for you. You can read this later on. There are over 330 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, the one who is to come. And if you read through, I didn't give you all 330, but if you read through the two paragraphs that I gave you, there is every prophecy and every notation and how Jesus fulfilled each of those prophecies. So if you go through, read through this thing, it is incredible. And you'll see on there by the time you get to the end, while, di- while dying, he, he will suffer for, from extreme thirst, Psalm 69, 21. Cheap wine will be offered to him, Psalm 69, 21. He'll feel abandoned by God, Psalm 22, 1. We looked at that. It's all there. This is amazing. What you have to understand is the probability of one person fulfilling even eight, even just eight prophecies of those 330 looks like that. One by 10 to the 17th power. It's that many zeros. What does Jesus understand? What does Scripture tell us? Why does he have to say, I thirst? He has to say, I thirst, because he wants you today to know and understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the only one that can change your life and make your life about something more than yourself. To make your life about something bigger and greater than yourself. It's to convince you that he is exactly who he says he is and he can provide you with a living water that will elevate your life. And you'll be a participant in something eternal, something bigger, and something greater. He says in John 4, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again, talking about regular water out of a well. But he says, but anyone who drinks the water I give them They'll never be thirsty. In fact, the water I give them, it'll become like a spring of water in them, and it will flow up to eternal life. He offers each one of us the opportunity to participate in something bigger and greater than ourselves. Something bigger and greater than our own needs. So that brings us to the question of the day, right? Here's the question of the day. The question of the day is quite simple. What are you thirsty for? You see, he wasn't thirsty for water. What was he really thirsty for? He was thirsty for the moment when you would understand this truth. He was thirsty to show you that his life was about something bigger and something greater, and so can yours be. So the question is, what are you thirsty for? 
Because the temptation, the temptation would be just to live a regular old life, just a regular old comfortable life, just kind of live a comfortable, content kind of life. People of God have done it before. You go back to Jeremiah and says, My people sinned twice. They've deserted me. Even though I am the spring of water that gives life, and they've dug their own wells, but those wells are broken. They can't hold water. We just keep digging the stuff that can't hold water. What are you thirsty for? Psalm 42 says, A deer longs for streams of water. Uh, God, I long for you in the same way. I am thirsty for God. I am thirsty for the living God. Are you thirsty for your life to be something bigger and greater than yourself? I can tell you, Christ Church, as a people, we are absolutely committed that this congregation is about something bigger and greater. And God has called us, as a people, to something bigger and greater than just being a comfortable club where we kind of get together and do the kumbaya thing on Sunday morning and feel good. But God's made us to be about something bigger and something greater. Now, I can prove this to you, that we're absolutely committed to that because I'm going to do something this morning that I just, like, never do. I am going to give away some of my preaching time. I don't do that. I don't like to do that. I'm going to do a second thing that I really don't like to do. I am going to give away my preaching time so we can take a survey. I don't like them. But you know what's important? What's important is that we get and are committed to understand this place, this church, is about something bigger and something greater than each of our individual lives. And the only way we're going to discover that is to take the time to make sure we're listening to what God has to say in our lives. We're listening together to what God wants us to be about We're moving together forward to be the place that God wants us to be. When Jesus was here, he sat on that Sermon on the Mount. He had all those people gathered, you know, listening to him on that day. And he said, what? Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for what? What is right? The other word is righteousness. And the answer is, they will be filled. We thirst for what's right, something bigger, something greater than ourselves. God can use our lives. God can use His church. So we're going to just pause right now and invite you to take out that survey. Take out a black pen or a blue pen if you don't have one.